So if you're uh, visiting us this day, you should know that that wasn't Sarah R. giving uh, the children's sermon. Um, That's our associate pastor, Kathy Lee Cornell. And uh, Sarah R. was supposed to be here this morning, but she came down with some food poisoning. And so we asked her to stay home and uh, get some rest and to keep all objects to herself. And we assured her that we would pray for her this morning. Um, But you should also know that uh, that's not the only... uh, typo that you're going to find in the bulletin, and it's not really a typo. Um, Our scripture lesson is going to change today. And before the sermon uh, this morning, I I need to share something with you. Uh, This July, uh, next month, will be the Ruffner's 5th July in Dallas. It's true. It's hard to believe. I didn't say that to get an applause. (laughs) And you may want to take it back after the sermon, you never know. So let's hold that thought. It's hard to believe though. It's hard to believe that July will be our fifth July and I need to tell you over the last four years, I've come to love you. I've come to love our community. Uh, Preston Hollow, you've become our family. And it's been a deep joy of mine to walk alongside of so many of you in seasons of celebration, weddings and baptisms and anniversaries and promotions. It's been an equal gift to walk alongside of you during difficult seasons. Seasons of divorce, seasons of death, seasons of unemployment, seasons of tension at school and away at college. I love our church. I love our caring nature. I love our can-do attitude. I love our welcome of all people. I love that we value diversity of thought, opinion, diversity of, of, of politics and theology. I've even, become to lo- I've even begun to love some of our quirks. I love that you all were crazy enough to call a 15-year-old to be your senior pastor. <laughs> when you think about it, that took a lot of faith <laughs> and some serious guts. I share all of this with you before the sermon this morning. Because the sermon's difficult. You should know that uh, I have another sermon prepared, and I'll preach that one on another day. It was a sermon about ritual. It was a, a sermon about our holy and ordinary days and moments. But that's not the sermon that was deep within me. There was a different sermon in my bones. Today's sermon has to do with a difficult issue in our country. And that issue is among the most divisive issues before us as a people. You need to know that I do not claim to have all of the answers. And I certainly don't claim to know how to solve it. But my dear friends, we simply cannot ignore how we have come to live as a people. And you've asked me to be your pastor. And you've asked me to help you, us, to think theologically about 
how to interpret and to live in this world. This sermon is my effort to do that. It's my effort to begin a a crucial and critical conversation. So that's why our text is different. We're going to turn to the prophet Jeremiah to the 31st chapter. If you want to follow along, I'll give you a minute to get there. We're going to um, turn to verses 15 through 17. What is known as Rachel's lament. Listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day from the prophet Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This is what the Lord says. Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They will return from the land of the enemy. So there is hope. There is hope for your descendants, declares the Lord. Your children will return to their own land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Hover here. Hover in this sanctuary, O God, just as you hovered over the waters of creation. Create afresh and anew this very day. Pray that you would give me the gift of preaching these words would not be mere human words, but your word to your people. So breathe new life into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts, that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I preached my very first sermon when I was 16 years old. I had been assigned to preach one part of the sermon on Youth Sunday. The week before Youth Sunday, the shooting, the mass shooting at Columbine High School happened. So the very first Sunday that I preached in my life, was about mass shootings. You see, the week before you, Sunday at First Presbyterian Church in Aiken, South Carolina, two young men walked into Columbine High School in Colorado and opened fire, killing 12 and wounding 21. A voice was heard in Colorado, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel weeping for her children because they were no more. Stories and reports from Columbine haunted every student and parent in our small town in South Carolina. Our parents worried about sending us to school the next week. 
As students, we wondered if something similar could happen at our own high school. We began looking at our fellow students in a completely different way. Our Youth Sunday theme that year was, What if God was one of us? Based on the Joan Osborne song that had been remade by Alanis Morissette at the time. As a youth group, we sang that song as the offertory anthem that morning, standing right on the chancel steps. It was the 1990s, so please don't judge us. I was 16. I was sitting right there. Uh, It was the very front pew closest to the pulpit. Butterflies uh, were swimming in my stomach. I grasped the sermon that I had prepared to preach. My sermon was entitled, If God Had a Name, Would You Call It to His Face? That sermon was about whether or not I would have had the faith to call God's name in the halls of Columbine the previous week. Little did I know then that that Sunday would be the first of hundreds of Sundays to come when as a country we would gather in worship on the heels of mass shootings. Little did I know then how much weeping our nation would collectively do and how often I would find myself in the same exact seat. You see, after I graduated from Columbia Seminary, I worked in the admissions office. I got to travel the country recruiting students to Columbia Seminary. I'll never forget my first trip to Blacksburg, Virginia. If you haven't been to Virginia in the fall, you just have not lived. I got into town earlier in the afternoon. I put on my running clothes and ran the trail that went around campus. I'll never forget running by the football, practice football fields and hearing the Virginia Tech football team practice. I showered and I showed up to the campus ministry to to lead a discussion and a Bible study on vocation with the students at the campus ministry as part of their weekly gathering. It was a spirit-filled night. I still remember the incredible depth and reflection of the students, but at the end of the night, something happened that I'll never forget. The campus minister said that she had an announcement to make. Out of nowhere, she announced that at the end of the semester, she was going to retire from ministry and from the campus ministry. Her soul was weary, burdened, and tired. She needed to take time away because she was on campus the day of the Virginia Tech shooting. She said there was not a day that she drove to campus that she didn't relive the horror and the trauma of that day. Through choked back tears, she told the students how much she loved them, how much she loved that campus. But she had to spend time working through her continued PTSD. A voice is heard in Virginia. 
lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children because they are no more. Several years later, I was an associate pastor at Trinity Presbyterian Church in Atlanta. We had just celebrated our Christmas party. I had gone back to the office to finish up some emails. The news reports came pouring in of a school shooting in Newtown, Connecticut. I stood in front of my computer in horror. My colleague, David Bartlett, was across the hall And I ran into his office and we prayed and we wept. And we read scripture. I was heartbroken, I was numb. The next Sunday we gathered for worship at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary. It was Advent, the sanctuary was packed. Every week at Trinity Church after the scripture scripture lesson and the anthem, the minister would invite our children to the front of the sanctuary before they left to worship in another place. The minister would stand and invite our children, the the three and the four and the five and the six-year-olds, to the front of the chancel, the older siblings grabbing their younger siblings' hands, just like we saw a moment ago. And our children stood on the steps, just as they had done for years pastor stood up and said what we said every week. As our children depart to worship God in another place, we say to them, and the whole congregation said, may God be with you there. And the minister said, and they say to us, and may God be with you here. We watched our children process out of the door, out of our sight, out of our reach, out of our protection. And I looked up from the lectern that Sunday as our congregation collectively wept. Every person in the sanctuary was crying, gay and straight, Parent and grandparent, single and married, old and young, youth and young adult, pastor and parishioner, conservative, liberal. We all wept. We wept knowing that this ritual was lived out in an entirely different way the day before in Newtown, Connecticut as parents in some form or fashion said to their children, may God be with you there. And the memories of their children echoed, may God be with you here. A voice was heard in Connecticut, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel, weeping for her children because they are no more. Then in the summer of 2016, I was standing right there. I was getting ready to walk in to the sanctuary and do a sound check. 
One of you came running up to me and said, have you seen the news this morning? I said I had not. They said, I think you should go to your office. And so we did and we opened my computer and there on the screen, we watched in horror as news reports poured in of the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando. Who was it, two weeks later? On a Thursday evening right here in Dallas, Texas, we watched in horror as the deadliest police shooting in our nation's history happened in our own city. Just down the street from your office buildings, just down the street where you spend your daily lives, I stayed up all night long watching the news coverage. Sarah Ruffner walked in to our living room to find me at 2 o'clock in the morning. She beckoned me. She said, Matthew, it's late. You've got to come to bed. I said, Sarah, I can't go to bed. Our city's in pain. We're broken and traumatized. I've got to stay up and live this night. I have to live this pain. Because tomorrow, I'm going to have to help comfort our people. And on Sunday, I'm going to have to climb into that pulpit and offer a word of hope and light in the midst of the darkness. Next Sunday, we gathered here. It looked like Easter. There wasn't a seat to be found in this place. And we mourned. And we prayed. I'll never forget that Sunday. A voice is heard in Dallas, Texas. Lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children because they are no more. Then there was Las Vegas and then Parkland. Not to mention Aurora and Charleston and UNC Charlotte and the Amish school shooting. Sutherland Springs, Texas, right in our backyard. Then the synagogue in Pittsburgh and others. A voice is heard in America. Lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children because they are no more. It's another Sunday morning. Today, we mourn the 12 people who were killed in Virginia on Friday. There has been and there continues to be so much weeping, more tears than we know what to do with. I want to remind you, as I have reminded you before, God's heart was the first to break on Friday. God's heart was the first heart to break when those lives were taken. God's heart broke at the darkness of that moment. And in that pain, and I want to remind you that it is God's spirit that surrounds the community of Virginia Beach and the families this very morning. 
I need to confess to you that I resist preaching a sermon about gun violence every time there is a mass shooting because I do not want it to become rote. I don't want to preach a sermon or lead a prayer and then everything goes back to normal. I want to remind you of the good news of the gospel. We do have the power by the grace of God to shape the world in which we live. So the theological question before us, my dear friends, is this. Is this the world we want? Is this the world we want? I preached my first sermon after Columbine when our nation was shocked and weeping. And I preached this sermon today as our children rehearse active shooter drills along with fire and tornado drills at school. Is this the world in which we want to live? Because this is the world in which we live today. It's the world that we have tolerated. It's the world that we have built. But is this the world we most want for our children and our grandchildren? A world with so much weeping, a world filled with so many tears. My dear, dear friends, I don't pretend to have the answers to this complicated issue. And I pray that this sermon is not over at the benediction. I pray that this sermon will continue to inspire your own thoughts and conversations about the world that we are building. It's been a conversation that's been part of my entire preaching life. And frankly, it's not a conversation that we can afford to ignore. From where I sit, we have been in the exile of gun violence for far too long. 20 years now of my life, there has been too much weeping. There have been too many tears since that first Sunday when I crawled into the pulpit to preach. And I still believe with every fiber of my being that this type of pain is not what God intends for God's children. For God's promise to us and to the world is life and life abundant. How can we be a small part of building the world that God has promised? The prophet Jeremiah reminds us and implores us your work. Your work will be rewarded with hope for your descendants. There is hope for our children if we put in the work. Could there be a greater promise for us today? Pray with me. Holy God, we pray for those weeping this day. We pray for those weeping this day because their children are no more. 
inspire us as your people to work together so that there is hope for our descendants. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen.